tonight. Hi, everybody. Doing good? Have a good afternoon. Uh, I don't want us to pass by too quickly the fact that Craig and Sharon are here w with us. They, they are um, royalty. They are royalty in the kingdom of God. And not only did they allow God to do some truly great things here in, in this city, but then when God wanted them to do something different, something else, or similar, different, in a different city, um, they obeyed. Uh, they, they had faith and they had courage uh, to, to just follow Jesus to Salt Lake City. And there they've, they've uh, again, a thriving uh, work has been born, uh, continues to grow, and now they've, they're preparing to transition uh, to uh, uh, Jeremy and to Natalie. And, and uh, wow, I, I'm just, frankly, I'm just in awe, and I'm thankful for your lives. Amen. I truly am. We need more people like them. And I'm glad we have another couple just, again, similar, different, in Mark and, and, and Tasha. We need more than ever. We need great leadership overall. You know, a government on every level, of course, but in our schools and places of business and work, certainly in our churches, we need uh, great, great leadership. And God is, is raising them up to lead us where we need to go, to help us see what God sees, to be there to shepherd us or to speak into our life, you know, to again birth a new church somewhere, speak a prophetic word with power and authority. I'm just so grateful for uh, people like Craig and Sharon and Mark and Tasha. I'm grateful for all of you who have given your lives to Jesus. You are making a difference. You are lights in a world of darkness, and you are lighting it up. And I just want to urge you to continue to do that and, and, and uh, just get stronger as the days get longer. Just keep going. It's too soon to quit. And Satan can't defeat you unless you just wave the white flag and say, I'm done. He's on his way out. We're on our way up. <laughs> Praise God. Got some good things tonight. Again, I, I don't, uh, you know, I didn't anticipate that I would be able to come and take 10 weeks total, five weeks of messages on Sunday morning at, at Believer Center in Albuquerque, and then we do our midweek service on Tuesday night and five weeks of Tuesday, and, and it wouldn't be fair just to come in and, and just dump it on you. Um, and again, I don't, I'm not known to, to take canned goods with me and just serve up what's canned. I really, I don't know that there's much power in that, if any. I think we need to be, allow ourselves to be prompted by the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. If that means more work, then so be it. And uh, in preparing and praying and getting ourselves ready. And But as I mentioned this morning, and I hope you believe me, that I just felt like we needed to expose you at least expose you to what uh, the word 
that God spoke to us in Albuquerque was and uh, encourage you, exhort you, challenge you a little bit to let your light shine. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Then he turned to his disciples and said, you're the light of the, the world. And uh, he said, as the Father has sent me, so now I send you. So as we saw this morning, again, we were commissioned. We have a royal mandate on our life. It's hard to see through the eyes of the flesh. You have to see it, be convinced of it by the Holy Spirit and the revelation that he, he brings. But God wants us to live by revelation knowledge, not sense knowledge. Anybody can do that. He wants his church to live by revelation knowledge. He wants us to see what he sees and what he reveals and what's hidden to others. He wants to show, show to us. He wants us involved. Uh, we are essential part. Uh, of what uh, he is doing in the earth and uh, you carry again you carry his presence a, a pastor that I admire deeply said this he said we are tasked with holding up God's truth to our culture we are tasked with it it is part of our assignment we talked this morning again about works the word for those of you who weren't here a few of you weren't the word that God spoke to us was that 2023 would be a year uh, he wanted his people to experience greater faith to do the greater works greater faith to do the greater works so again this morning we explored a little bit about what that might mean in terms of our commission in terms of us uh, again making certain that our light is shining brightly and freely uh, into into the dark places in the world that dark place might be in your own home um, that dark place might be at work that dark place might be in the gym that dark place might be in parts of the church and uh, God wants his light to overcome not tolerate light never tolerates darkness did you know that light light absolutely destroys it overcomes it in fact you the definition of darkness you know some words in our language are defined by the absence of something darkness wouldn't mean anything if it didn't mean the absence of light you couldn't define darkness if you didn't define it by the absence of light so light is always greater than darkness we know that and um, so I, again I hope you're encouraged I hope you just sort of pray and process that's what I do when I hear a, a message that really speaks to me or is brought to me by somebody I respect and admire uh, I just process it in prayer because I know just sitting for 45 minutes or whatever I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get everything that God wants me to have so I try to take good notes I'll try to get the media if it's in a media form and I, I just start processing it in prayer until my heart really takes it on by faith and my life begins to move that way and when my life begins to move that way I can Again, I can shine the light for others, and they can move that way too. Isn't that right? There's a lot of preaching, a lot of words with no actions. Okay, and we need both. We need both. Tonight, I want to just spend uh, whatever time I, I, I do have. Loved worship. Wouldn't rush it for anything in the world. Loved praying for the sick. Loved the move of the Holy Spirit, and this is just another part of that. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not, it's not, it's not my intention to dump on you with anything there's a lot of good information here I'm likely just to again bullet point some of it for you to pursue at a later date for your pastors who are amazing teachers uh, 
and uh, they know what they're talking about they live it and so that they can impart they can help you develop it if you need that kind of help but tonight I just wanted to talk a little bit about great faith as we see it in in the, the scripture okay great great the word great means large and number and intensity loud and sound it can mean actually even mean older we would say long life uh, it can mean great in importance uh, greater would be more than all that I just read to you whatever measure makes something great greater is that much more of it and there is great faith mentioned in the scripture we'll look at that and then there is the greater faith that works the greater works and um, so let's just get into to it let's see how far we can get uh, tonight father we thank you for the holy spirit's help we can't begin to think that we're going to approach truth without his leadership and without his help without his guidance holy spirit thank you for opening our hearts to the highest form of knowledge that you've made available to us which is revelation knowledge cause us to see it and easily and readily receive it tonight we thank you for it we believe understanding will be maximized misunderstanding will be minimized and we will receive the good seed of God's word tonight in Jesus name amen, amen. so the face the phrase great faith is recognized formally in scripture only only twice now, again, very quickly, let me just say that great faith is present throughout the Scripture. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 mentions a number of men and women of great, great faith. Now, Jesus, of course, was a living example of what we would refer to as great faith. But as far as just the phrase great faith, it only appears uh, twice in Scripture, actually three times, twice concerning the Roman centurion. We'll read that account in just a minute. Uh, where, where Jesus was astonished. He was astonished at this man's faith, and he said it was so great that he hadn't seen it anywhere else in the nation. That's great faith. And that's mentioned twice by Matthew in uh, the 8th chapter. What is the 8th chapter to us? And then Luke, the 7th chapter. But there's also a woman. She was a Lebanese woman, a Canaanite woman, and uh, she found herself one day at the table where Jesus was eating, and she had a daughter who... The Bible says was vexed by uh, demons, and uh, she was asking Jesus for help, and and the disciples wanted to cancel her, and uh, and Jesus didn't do that, but Jesus did use a saying that was common um, during his day in his ministry concerning Gentiles. He said, "You know, I'm here for the Jews, and I'm not here for the dogs." Uh, because she was a Canaanite woman. and uh, But she, she wasn't moved by that, and she stayed. Uh, in fact, one translation says, Lord Jesus, even the puppies get the crumbs. And he commended her, and he used the phrase there, great is your faith. So we have those accounts, and what I thought we would do is just take a simple approach to not talking about great faith and compare the Roman centurion and this Canaanite woman and see if we can't pick up some qualities that are common among those who exercise uh, great, great faith. I'd like to say this before we get into reading. In fact, you can begin to turn over to Matthew chapter 8 if you brought your Bible in any form tonight. But um, 
you know, I was listening to Alan this morning talking about Peter and how he was one of 12 that got out of the, the boat, and yet Jesus referred to him when he began to sink as having little faith. Well, does that mean that he didn't have great faith to get out of the boat? Does that mean what? If he had little faith, what in the world do I, am I operating in? It's a great lesson, and again, I'm not going to focus on that tonight, but it tells us right away in that one account that faith is dynamic. Say that with me, dynamic. Almost say that faith is living. We know that faith can come and faith can go. That means we know faith can rise and faith can fall as well, right? Faith is not something you and I sort of come up with. We mix it up. We put it in a mold. We put it in the freezer, in the refrigerator, we get it out and put it in our drink to make it cold. And it, you know, um, it's not a commodity, you know, in any sense of the word. We're not spending faith with God for what we want or need from God. I hope you don't think that way. It's a poor way to think about faith, though I've heard some teach it that way. It's just a, it's a poor way to, to um, analogize faith, I think. Faith is living. And so you have to keep an eye on it. And you have to keep working it. You have to keep working with it. You have to keep faith. If, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we know that it does. Faith doesn't come through hard, by hard times. If that were true, we'd all be spiritual giants. And we'd all be operating in great faith, right? Going to greater faith because times are getting tougher. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the word of God. That means that we just need to keep hearing what God has to say about whatever the endeavor is, about whatever he is addressing in our life or our situation. It's not something, again, you just do on Monday morning. You don't need to do it anymore by Friday. You have to keep meditating the word, just chewing on the word of God, meditating on it, and uh, giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to really work to make that faith fabric, to make it a, a part of who you, you are. And even with that, again, it's not something you ever just lay down and never feel like you have to address it again. I think that's a great mistake we make. And as a pastor, I think, I think I've seen a number of Christians just led to frustration over that. I think Peter had great faith when he stepped out of that boat. Dear Lord, he heard one word from Jesus. We can hear 20 sermons and struggle. He heard one word from Jesus. If it's you, Jesus, bid me come. Jesus says, come. He went. You know, and all those other great guys, faith guys, just stayed in the boat, I guess. And he walked on the water until his focus changed. Now that, again, there's a key part to learning what faith, uh, an ingredient of faith and, and great faith is, has to do somewhat with focus. And as long as his eyes were on the one who spoke that word, and that's important, okay? God may use Pastor Mark to stir my faith, but my eyes have got to be on Jesus. God may use uh, Pastor Craig to, to encourage me for healing, to come for healing. I mean, he's all but raised from the dead. And he's going to encourage me for healing. I'm going to sit up and go, okay. But my eyes have to be on Jesus because Craig's not the healer. You can go to your doctors or some really good ones out there and they can help with repair and they can help with a few other things, but... They can never heal you. There's only one healer. 
and it's the one who created you so if you're going to go that route just make sure your focus remains on jesus as you're as you're treated if you want to submit to that kind of treatment is that making sense to anybody so just think about that with me as we go through this because again we're going to look at some characteristics that will help us i think recognize uh, living faith saving faith uh, faith great faith even greater faith in just a few a few minutes here but let's go ahead and, and do our homework here and let's uh, read matthew uh, chapter 8 verses 5 through 13 tonight i'll be reading to you from the passion uh, translation reads this way when jesus entered the village of capernaum a captain in the roman army approached him asking for a miracle lord he said i have a son who is lying in my home paralyzed suffering terribly jesus responded i'll go with you and i'll heal him but the roman officer interjected lord who am i to have you come into my house i understand your authority for i too am a man who walks under authority i have authority over soldiers who serve me i can tell one to go and he'll go another to come and he'll come i i order my servants and they'll they'll do whatever i ask them to do so i know that all you need to do jesus is to stand here and command healing over my son and he will be instantly healed verse 10 says jesus was astonished as we saw this morning concerning the works that jesus said he would do the greater works he said they will astonish you the the literal word in the greek language means to take your breath away it means to make you to stagger or to lose your balance okay very powerful jesus was astonished himself here when he heard this and said to those who were following him he has greater faith than anyone i've encountered in israel wow listen to what i'm about to tell you jesus goes on to say multitudes of non-jewish people will stream from the east and the west to enter into the banqueting feast with abraham isaac and with jacob in the heavenly kingdom but many israelites born to be heirs of the kingdom will be turned away and they'll be banished into the darkness where there will be bitter weeping and unbearable anguish in other words the just by outward assessment the jews were in a better place having the oracles of god the prophets you know even the 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 old what we know as the old testament the first five books of it they were in a better position to believe uh, what god was doing to even to recognize messiah there's enough in the old testament isaiah the prophet alone spoke enough about what messiah would be like when he when he came if they had been paying attention you know they they would have picked up that this man is special he actually could be messiah and might be messiah some would say he is messiah okay so that's what jesus is saying here as he you know again just goes over um why he's astonished with this centurion man's faith because he didn't have a covenant with god verse 13 finally says then jesus turned to the roman officer and said go home all that you have believed for will be done for you and his son was healed at that very moment if some of you as we've read this account uh, might uh, even from the king james bible and you've read luke's account you would think well maybe there's a contradiction in scripture because here 
Matthew writes that the centurion came himself personally to ask Jesus to do this. And the King James Version uses the term servant instead of son. Um, but Luke, if you read the same account, Luke, Luke wrote that um, the centurion soldier sent first Jewish leaders to find where Jesus was and to make the request. And then as Jesus approached, was on approach to his house, he sent friends of his to go tell Jesus, stop, you don't have to come any further, just speak the word, and my servant slash son will be healed. Of course, critics of the scripture, those who, who don't believe the, the scripture is actually inerrant, that it's truly God-breathed, uh, will say that's a contradiction. But what they, you know, I wish if people were going to be so strong in an opinion, they really did know what they were talking about. You know, one of the beautiful things about the Bible, we'll see another one tonight, I hope I can help you with it anyway, is that there are treasures in here. I mean, they're just not laying on the ground. There are plenty that are. You can go pick them up, you know, and put them in your pocket and rejoice over them, sing over But there are some really wonderful things you have to dig for in here. And when you compare Luke's account to Matthew's account, you begin to realize that there's not a, a contradiction between what actually happened, but there actually a revelation exists of a great truth about delegated authority. We have issues in America, not just America, I'm not, certainly not down on my nation, but we have issues with authority. And we have issues, by the way, church, with lordship. You know, the person who holds highest office in our nation was elected, you know, by vote. And it's the highest position in our land. Lord is much higher than that, and we don't get to vote on Jesus. Okay. But we, so I'm just saying, we have still so much to learn. I think Pastor Mark's spoken in this month about lordship. God had me speaking about lordship in Albuquerque. Uh, this month too I just think we, we, maybe we should sit up and reassess what it means for Jesus to be Lord how we view that how we see that and how we're managing our life in view of that amen um, but anyway uh, it's not a contradiction it's just a revelation there was in many cultures of the world and within the kingdom of God we still see uh, this truth those authorized and sent in the name of another are to be received as the one who sent them. Can I say it to you again? Those authorized and sent in the name of another are to be received as the one who sent them. So again, the centurion, a man of authority, he sent those that he had, you know, he sent those Jewish leaders in his name. He said, do this for me. Do this on my behalf. And they did. And they were to be received as the one who sent them i.e. the Roman centurion the same with the friends that he sent you know and so there again no contradiction there here's, here's some scripture for you in case you need some Matthew 10 40 he that receiveth you Jesus said receiveth me and he that receiveth me receives him that sent me remember what we just quoted earlier Jesus said as the father hath sent me to his disciples so send I you did you know you're vested in the name of Jesus you do your praying in the name of Jesus? You should. And do you know when you pray in the name of Jesus, 
because you've been vested with that name, the Father sees your request as if Jesus made it. That's powerful. And so when you cast out a demon, you wouldn't do it in your name like those silly guys did in the book of Acts. Unless you want to get rid of your old clothes and have to go to the store and buy some new, new stuff. Because the demon's not going to play footsies or patty cake with you. And remember what we said this morning, demons can't be counseled out. They can't be counseled out. They can't be medicated out. And just because you might not believe in the devil doesn't protect you from the evil they're going to attempt to bring in your life. Well, I don't believe in those demons. Well, not going to protect you. So we need to find a better way to do that. We know to do that in the, with the power of the Holy Spirit. We know to do that exercising the name of Jesus with faith in his name. Amen? And when we do that, that's why the demons knew Paul. You know, they understood Paul, they understood Peter, they understood, because they came in Jesus' name. And so the demons recognized that they were men, having been sent, who carried an authority that was not of their own making. Okay, uh, Mark nine thirty seven is another great verse here. Whoever welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not only me, but the one who sent me. John twelve forty eight. If you reject me and refuse to follow my words, you already have a judge. The message of truth I've given you will rise up to judge you at the day of judgment for... I am not speaking as someone who is self-appointed, but I speak by the authority of the Father himself who sent me and who instructed me as to what to say. John 13, 20, listen to this timeless truth. Whoever receives the messenger I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives the Father who sent me. So again, I hope that helps you a little bit with what's going on there. Let's read about the Canaanite woman, then we'll come back and draw some conclusions. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Then Jesus left and, and went north into the non-Jewish re region of Lebanon. He encountered there a Canaanite woman who screamed out to him, Lord, son of David, show mercy on me. My daughter is horribly afflicted by a demon that torments her. But Jesus never answered her. So his disciples said to him, Why do you ignore this woman who's crying out to us? Jesus said, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But she came and bowed down before him and said, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It's not right for a man to take bread from his children and throw it out to the dogs. Okay, again, Jesus is using a well-known saying there among the Jews and he's also making a spiritual point there I'm not sure who at the table got it other than Jesus but, but uh, there's something more here in fact can I say this to you there's something always more than the miracle and if you and I want to go deeper with God on any level we need to, to understand that as powerful as a, a, a man who is blind comes seeing because of a miracle of God there's something more that God was and is at work doing in that person. I hear so much bad information about how God works through all of our troubles and stuff, you know, and how there's so much to learn when we're in trouble. I, I think we can learn anything regardless of the circumstances, good or bad. It's how we manage ourselves, okay? 
but I don't hear very much about teaching in the really good things that God does in fact if you've got an amplified Bible you ought to just note this we won't go there but you can go there later Mark 6 52 it's the only translation I have found this in but uh, one of his disciples or his not one of his disciples but some of his disciples who were in hearing range heard Jesus uh, talk to them about some things he'd just done and excuse me was about to do and it was clear that they weren't receptive to it in fact most translations say they hardened their heart most of us in the room when we think of someone hardened of heart we think about people who have lived hard in sin their faces thin and drawn and you know they just look like they've been through the ringer and they can't walk up right you know they, they just have a certain gait about them and, and yet here Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's, he's, he's actually correcting them about their own hardness of heart he's just done a, a series of miraculous things and they have responded like so what and the amplified Bible says they failed to comprehend and understand the teaching and the meaning of the miracle and we often do that too. We just and we should get excited over a, a lame person walking or the, a blind man seeing or a deaf person hearing. Well, of course we should. We should shout and rejoice and give God the glory uh, for it. But if if we're wise, we just know there's more to this. And God, even in this, is really preparing us something, preparing us for something that uh, might even be a greater challenge. Amen. Okay. So let's begin, let's just come up with a few conclusions, and, and this is not meant to be comprehensive, and it can't be uh, anyway for a, a time's sake with you, but I, I, again, I, my, my real hope is to seed some things into your life, to get you hungry, to look at them for yourself. I'm, I'm assuming something, it's a big assumption, that you want to walk in great faith and greater faith. You know, the Bible says Jesus was astonished actually by two things in the scripture one was great faith as we've read about tonight the other was incredible unbelief he went into his own hometown scripture says there he could do no mighty works except heal a few sick folk because of their unbelief the bible says he was taken back by that his breath was taken away he was astonished at that well let's be the people that astonish him with faith amen and, uh, and so I just hope to seed it into you if Pastor Mark or Tasha or any of these great leaders in this church feel led to help you with it I'm sure that they're more than capable of, of doing, doing that but the first characteristic if you're taking notes tonight is uh, a simple one some of these are a, sort of a duh you know you know these things already I'll just bring them to your attention maybe bring them to the forefront of your thinking tonight and, and relate them to great faith where they might be related to something else. The first thing that I really see in the Canaanite woman and this centurion Roman has to do with how they abandon faith in themselves. So great faith will abandon faith in oneself to deserve or to merit God's provision. Again, the centurion uh, man, soldier, uh, he, he was considered worthy by his Jewish acquaintances again that's a treasure in the scripture there that that um, that would be recorded 
by Luke because they came to Jesus and said, hey, here's a really good Roman. Can you believe that, Jesus? He's a Roman, and he's a good man. And he's so good that he's been kind to us, and he has actually built us a synagogue. Okay, But that wasn't the centurion's attitude about himself. They thought Jesus should go heal this servant slash son because the man had done really good works. But that wasn't the man's opinion of himself. The scripture, again, clearly tells us that before Jesus could get to his house, he was calling him off and saying, I'm not what? Worthy. I'm not worthy to have you come, even come to my house. Uh, I, I'm a man uh, of authority. I'm under authority. I exercise authority. I can say to one, he'll, he'll do what I ask him or tell him to do. And I just know that you're a man who's been sent. You, you're carrying the authority of God, the God of heaven. And I, I just all, all I need you to do, all I, I believe you have to do, is speak a word of power and word of authority, and my servant will be healed. Jesus stepped back and went, wow. And at that very moment, that servant, that son was healed. God help us with that kind of faith. Amen. Distance is no issue. None whatsoever. Um, and the Canaanite woman, again, we see her down. We see her on her knees. We see her referring to Jesus as Lord. Again, the Greek word kurios, meaning supreme in authority. She recognized that. Again, she wasn't a Jewish woman, but she was a, a woman who reverenced this man Jesus as Lord. And she got down on her knees and asked for mercy. A cry for mercy says, God, really, I, des I don't deserve anything I'm going to ask you for. In fact, if anything, I deserve the opposite. Somebody once said to me, if all we're getting is what we deserve, we're living in a world of hurt. And thank God we haven't been instructed to live that way. We live by grace, by faith. Amen. We've been more blessed than we can begin to account for. So the Canaanite woman cried for mercy, meaning she saw herself as an undeserving person even in her case a disqualified person so she asked from that position again not having any faith it's clear she abandoned any kind of confidence or faith she might have in herself when it came to asking Jesus for help I believe that's a quality of great faith and will be a quality of even greater faith you agree is that witness to you at all Many of us, sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. But it's one of the reasons we often begin a sentence when someone asks us how we're doing or how our walk with God is. We'll say, you know, well, I'm not perfect. A lot of that, like, first of all, wait a minute. You mean you don't think any of us noticed? <laughs> really don't think any of you fooled us all that you're not perfect. I just say get in line. None of us are, you know. In fact, when you stop and think about it, I was just kind of meditating on that one little thought this afternoon. Just, I thought, dear God, there's been no one perfect except one man who has ever walked on this planet. Adam did for a short period of time before he and Eve fell, and then it was done. Up till today, there's been only one person who even qualified to be thought of as, as perfect. And like I said this morning, we don't need to be thinking about that it's kind of it's encouraged by a spirit of legalism. There's legalism in the world, and there's religious legalism in the church. We need to avoid both.
where we're constantly having to qualify ourselves when it seems clear from the scripture Jesus has already qualified us there's just a spirit that works the God of this world is always at work disqualifying you giving you good good reasons why you should not be able to receive what you're asking God for it's just constant it's non-stop it's abusive it's abusive God just wants you to humble yourself and be thankful for what he's done in Christ Jesus what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to to me by Adam's fall he's reversed it and so we can live in this beautiful place of acceptance and grace and faith and and uh, and make it a part of great faith okay number two uh, I see greater humility and surrender to Jesus as a characteristic of great, great faith. It's kind of a, I don't know how exactly how to express this, and I may not do exactly right, but I'm sure God will give me another opportunity. Just to say this, that, you know, we, in terms of faith, uh, a lot of times, again, not that it, we've been taught this, but it's just human nature to do this. We think about all the time what faith can get me. Now, there are many aspects to faith, and I, I'm not one of these who says pick or choose one or the other in fact like John said the apostle he said I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers he didn't say I wish above all things that you make a choice here you can either prosper or have good health or you know have your soul prosper he had and and even so Okay, and, and, and I want us to think that way when it comes to faith. I don't want us to think that it just does one thing. It does receive provision from God. There can be no doubt that faith is important to receiving the petitions that are according to the will of God that we ask for. Faith is a huge part of that. I will say this, it's not the only way that God meets your needs. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So there are times where people just get in the rain of God and something powerful, miraculous happens for them. There's the special manifestation of what we've called gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for manifestation is a word that was used in Greek literature that had to do with the sudden appearing of a spirit or a ghost and the disappearing of the same. And so what Paul's communicating there is there are times in our walk with the Holy Spirit as we develop a walk with the Holy Spirit. Even as we develop knowledge, we develop wisdom, we develop, uh, you know, praying for the sick, we develop our faith for miracles. Even in all of those areas of development that can happen every day, development of wisdom. Right? He says there are special manifestations that happen where God just sovereignly, boom, moves. How many of you know we don't want to limit God in any single way? And faith won't, great faith won't do that. Great faith says God. But here, in this point, we see faith, great faith, having this characteristic of giving more to God. We call that surrender. This is a case where we're moved to give more to God. You know, and it's another aspect of receiving from God. Here we're giving something and I think it's one of the most powerful and beautiful things that you and I can give God I think it blesses him more than we know than for us to say a bigger yes a greater yes God not my will in this but yours 
be done. Would you agree with that? Uh, again, the centurion man recognized Jesus' greatness and authority and the authority of the one who sent him. And, and he, you know, his attitude was that. His approach was that. It was, I'm in the presence of greatness. And I think we should, and, and, and I will react that way. The centurion man speaking. The Canaanite woman again worshiped at his feet, referred to him as Lord more than once. The greater the faith, I believe the greater the surrender. Jesus expressed it, left a great example throughout his life on earth, again completely unwilling uh, to act on his own without regard to the Father. In fact, we read from John this morning how Jesus, he said, he said I, I'm just not willing to do anything of my own initiative. Now the world system would call that weak. In the kingdom of God, that's called great. And that, I'm about to get to the third point. If you and I want to operate in great faith and greater faith, we've got to have a quality that I refer to as the willingness to take a risk. Okay, so let's just go into that. Jesus operated again with great surrender. Uh, humility is a powerful force. If we'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we do that by recognizing his greatness over our own or anyone else's anything else. We bow a willing heart uh, to, to him. We, again, give more to him uh, as pertains to our life and what is important to us. Amen. And great value uh, to us. But the greater exaltation that comes, the greater result is born. Greater fruit is born by that greater surrender or greater humility. Amen. Humility is not putting yourself down. Okay? It's just not thinking of yourself as much as you normally do. Okay. Number three. I think we're going to make it. Uh, against all odds, thinking is another characteristic that I find in these two examples and other examples in Scripture. Again, willingness to take a risk. Not talking about just carelessness. I'm talking about a, a doing something that has a foundation, a firm foundation uh, from God. Okay? We may not see anything in the natural that encourages us to take a step like Peter didn't see anything that encouraged him to get out of the boat naturally speaking. But it means, again, to, willing to take a risk when you have that foundation that God's Word can, can give you, and probably in most cases only God's Word can give you that kind of assurance. Uh, again, Jesus prepared those who were considering following him as well. I'm going to share something a little new with you tonight, and uh, I, I haven't shared it but once with our church family. Uh, we, uh, again, Mark has been talking about divine connection a little bit in our visit, uh, more referring to our relationship, the relationship of our our churches, you know, uh, of course, Craig and Sharon are included in that, how that he's been, he could be talking about something, we're not talking about it, but he can be talking to the church here about it. I'm teaching on something similar or the same thing in Albuquerque. We don't know it. We get together like now, and we begin to go, oh, my God. You know, we're not the only ones, and God is doing something pretty great on this level. And, but I, I see something about connection in the word that we often don't know maybe to anticipate. 
just the way the scripture, not just what the scripture contains, but it's actually to a great degree how it's laid out for us. There's, if I can say it this way, and I just I offer it to you with humility, if we could believe that there's kind of an order to things. For example, um, before Jesus made all these statements about works and greater works and commissioning his disciples, um, he taught them, and he took the time to teach them. He took the time to teach just curious listeners in the multitudes certain things that would be preparing them for a life of great faith and greater faith. They would have to think differently than what they were thinking. I mean, they really would. They would have to, some things would have to be turned this way. We say topsy-turvy, but we're the ones that are topsy-turvy. So what Jesus would be doing was be setting us up right. He thought mankind is topsy-turvy. So what Jesus does is he, if he does this, he's setting us up right. And for really the first time, I began to see, I just began to, as I was meditating the word and putting some of these teachings and ideas and thoughts together, I began to realize, note from the scripture, so many things that Jesus said before he really challenged them to follow him to this great life of faith. And let me just give you some examples, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. You begin to see this phrase coming up again and again from Jesus, his lips. He says, you heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, would you say that out loud? But I say to you. So he says, you've heard this. You've heard it from way back here. You've heard it in the past. But here's what I'm saying to you. You heard this, but now I want you to hear this. He would say this about murder. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Agree? That's a different way of thinking. And would you agree it takes greater faith to do that? Matthew 5, 27, 28. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Get, what's he getting ready for? Okay, what's he, what preparation is taking place here? Matthew 5, 43 and through 45 you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you pray for those who spitefully use you persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son to, sh to, to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust there's just a few samplings of how Jesus is is he just preaching? Is he just teaching? Well, he is doing that, but is, isn't he doing a little bit more? Don't you, when you think about Jesus, don't you? Did he ever live a day without purpose? I don't think he ever lived a day without pur purpose. And here I'm looking now for this bigger picture, this, okay, what's he, what's he laying the groundwork for here? Because it doesn't stop there. It actually picks up in what we call and have come to call the Beatitudes. 
okay. And there have been great messages preached on the Beatitudes. I just approach them a little different, especially in light of what I'm talking to you about. I think the Beatitudes are further preparation. Here's the short version from Luke chapter 6. There's a longer version in Matthew 5, but here's Luke chapter 6, 20 through 23. It's a short version. I'll read it, and then we'll kind of go over it. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you're going to laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you, when they revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. What I, what I am putting out to you for your consideration is this, that in all of these statements, coupled with what we just read and other that we're just not taking the time to, to cover tonight, Jesus is prepping people for a life of faith and great faith. And therefore doing works and doing the greater works of Jesus Christ. Because the poor in the Jewish community were just considered defeated and useless. Jesus is saying to them, this is the way you're thought of now. But what God's about to do, you're going to be an heir to the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to say, the hungry were beggars. I mean, in society, the hungry were beggars. You know, they were unproductive. They were a pain in a lot of ways Jesus says that's all about to change okay you got to begin to think differently because God's going to do something for you so different that even though you're hungry right now you're going to be filled to overflowing filled to overflowing not just full filled to overflowing those who weep they were considered weak just emotional you know, don't know how to handle life, don't know how to handle loss. Again, they were looked down on. But Jesus is saying to them, you're going to laugh. God's going to do something. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I just hear those words. You're going to have to think different, okay? You're at a loss now. You're weeping now. You're hungry now. You're poor. You're an outcast now. But you need to think different because God's going to offer something to you that completely turns your life right side up. And he's challenging them. A poor person is supposed to think I'm going to be heir to the kingdom. A hungry man's supposed to think I'm going to be full. I've been poor, so hungry so long. You know, the, the one who's been weeping and crying, they're going to have to learn how to laugh. Because they've been doing the others so long. The hated, the excluded, those who are reviled, condemned. When God does what he's about to do, God's preparing them to believe for it. They're going to be completely viewed differently in the kingdom of God. He says you're going to be rewarded with great rewards in heaven. Is this helping you? Okay. Um, again, you look at the Roman centurion. These are our examples tonight. Where were these qualities in the Roman? He, he was thinking different. He was putting himself at risk. He, he served Pharaoh. Listen, if word had gotten out that he served, he was looking for this Jewish man and referring to him or even considering him to be Lord, instantly he could have been killed, beheaded, made a shame because his allegiance 
to Caesar would have been in question. But that faith that was operating in him for his servant's son caused him to put his life at risk, actually caused him to put his servant's son's life above his own. Did you know faith will do that too? It'll cause you to live less selfish and less self-centered. Praise God. Um, again, and the, the centurion put his life at risk. The Canaanite woman, first of all, she was a woman in a, in a real patriarchal society uh, where women and children were viewed not much above cattle. So she was at risk doing what she was doing in a Jewish world. Okay. She had no covenant with God, neither did the Roman centurion. And yet here we see them putting something at risk, putting their life at risk. I think about that woman with the issue of blood. Dear Jesus, if that wasn't great faith, I don't know what is great faith. She said within herself, if I can just get to him, touch, not even touch him, not even touch his flesh, just touch what he's wearing, touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she did whatever she had to do there. Dear Lord, we have trouble getting people to go a mile to church. And she, she, was, she had lost so much blood. She had spent everything she had on physicians trying to get better. So she was impoverished. She had to be physically weakened by the condition she had been operating in. And still, she was empowered. She found a way to get to Jesus. First with hope in her heart. And then a belief that if she touched, that he would be generous and touch her back. And she was made whole. You know, I, I think this kind of great faith will cause us to be willing to do some things that we're not willing to do right now. And even put some things at risk that we're not. You guys left a wonderful situation here when you left Glenwood Springs. You're willing to put it at risk because you had a word from God and it worked in you it's great faith Sharon great faith Craig you know and we celebrate that we should amen but God wants to do that in all of us the last one I'm going to give you uh, is the certainty this is another characteristic the final one is certainty of possession upon asking certainty of possession upon asking brother Hagen didn't make these scriptures up but people accuse him of doing similar things he just quoted from Mark the words of Jesus in Mark eleven twenty four. therefore Jesus said this I say unto you whatever things you ask when you pray believe that you receive them when when do you take possession you take possession when? When you ask. Believe when you ask that you receive them and you will have them. We're not very good and we'll get better, praise God, especially if we develop this kind of faith of, of taking possession before we can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel it. You know, Jesus, these teachings that we, we, we study so much from Mark, the 11th chapter, happen right on the tail end to, get, to give it some context of Jesus cursing a fig tree. And he cursed the fig tree. And apparently nothing readily happened on, on the outside to that fig tree. But something immediately began to happen beneath the earth to the roots of that tree. 
And so when they passed by, some 24 hours later, the disciples were amazed. Look, Jesus, the, the tree you cursed. I mean, it's dried up from the roots. Well, Jesus knew that. You know, that's why he didn't go, oh, my God. We've got to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. He knew. He took possession when he spoke those words of faith. Amen. And you and I will get better at that. The Holy Spirit will help us. Can I have a good amen? The Holy Spirit will help us get better at taking possession of things we pray for when we pray for them, knowing that we will have them. Mark Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance. I love this from the Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, the conviction of the reality Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So great faith and greater faith is going to come to us a couple of ways. As I already mentioned earlier tonight, it can come in a moment. It's very rare when it happens, but there actually is a special manifestation of the Spirit where faith comes, boom. It just comes. And that's a work of the Holy Ghost. And it, I mean, you, you'll exercise great faith in a moment of time. Most of the time, great faith, again, is going to be developed over, over time and with intention. It's going to develop over time and with intention. Great faith is mentioned, described in the Bible in another way as being fully persuaded. In fact, if you look it up, you Bible students, I know you have your your Greek concordance and you look up these things but little faith if you look at it it's a compound Greek word it's made up of two Greek words and it simply means almost persuaded little faith means almost persuaded just the opposite of what Abraham exercised the Bible says in Romans in chapter 4 when he was fully persuaded but I want you to study the, the uh, or I would ask you to study the story of Abraham really carefully because he wasn't fully persuaded when he was 75 years old. He was moved, and he was moved enough. There was enough happening in him in the way of faith to get him out of Ur of the Chaldees. So he had something at work. But there were other, we have clear instances recorded in history where he resorted to the flesh to try to make what God had promised come to pass. And there's still strife in the Middle East because of some of the decisions that Abraham and, and his wife made. Okay? It's always better to do it God's way. Always. Hindsight now. Abraham would do it different. But the Bible is clear in Romans chapter 4 that, that it came to pass when he was fully persuaded, he was fully persuaded when he was about 100 years old. So for most of us, the kind of faith we're talking about tonight is going to happen over time. Now, the time's going to vary depending on how you manage yourself, okay? If you, if you manage yourself, you know, well, in the Spirit of God, again, turning to God, God is your strength, God is your helper, God's your ability. God never challenges you to do anything in your ability. He'll always offer His ability to you. Always do that, amen? Any promise from God is not a challenge to your ability to make that promise happen or to fulfill that promise. Just cooperate with God. And again, we do that by faith. 
The process might be longer in some than it will be in others, depending on what's happening. The process might take longer than it might take in another situation. Don't let any of that, if I can just say, easier said than done, but don't let that frustrate you. Just determine in your own heart that you are going to exercise and live by great faith. And your faith is going to continue to get greater and greater and greater. Amen? That means some of the risks you take are going to be greater. It means the surrender is going to be greater. It's going to mean some of those other things we looked about are going to go to a greater place as well. I hope you learned something tonight. Did you get some good things, a few good things out of this? Praise God. Let's stand. Then let's stand to our feet and we'll just thank God for it. We just, I think we always need to act on this. At least I, I try to make it a consistent thing. Um, is that the scripture is clear. Jesus taught this, that Satan comes immediately to take away the word. Even if we don't recognize it, Satan recognizes the power of the seed of God's word. And so you and I want to exercise our God-given authority to hold him off, to keep him at bay. And we can simply do that not only by declaring our victory over him, resisting him, but by meditating the scripture. If you'll meditate the scripture, it'll keep it out of his hands. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for what we've heard tonight. I am so looking forward to seeing the fruit of a night like this in the lives of people like this. I'm just so excited, God, for 2023 and what you've spoken to us. I believe what you're speaking to the church. There may even be another great awakening on the horizon as a result of some of the things we're talking about right now, being prepared by you, being prepared by the Holy Spirit for those, those things. God, help us to rise up to meet the opportunity in faith, in the power of the Holy Spirit, giving honor and giving praise, giving all the glory to you for all the advancement that takes place, the growth that takes place, the changes that take place, for the light shining greater than it has perhaps in previous centuries. We thank you tonight for what we've received. We say thank you, and we resist any effort of the enemy to take it from us. We give him no place. We resist him as you instructed us to do that. Believe that he has to flee with nothing in his hands. He goes with nothing. He goes empty-handed. Empty-handed. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you. We leave full. And we bless you and thank you for what's about to happen as we look to the future in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? And can we just praise God for his word tonight? Thank him for a good word from God tonight. God's good. God's good all the time. Amen. 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 Pastor Mark, I'm going to let you have it. If you want to do anything else, certainly, please. Thank you, everybody. God bless. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. You can be seated for just a moment. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Good word. Amen. We can believe in, in God. And so I just want to take a moment. I know uh, we maybe uh, 
coming to the end of the evening here. But, uh, you know, that faith in God and, and that struggling in our own uh, strength to qualify uh, can really begin to work in our life. Even when we stand and, you know, we think about eternity, we think about relationship with God, and we can almost default to look at these, these are the things that I've done. I'm not that bad of a person. Really, when we come to this place of faith, the Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I don't know everyone here tonight, how you came, what your situation, most of the people I do know, uh, but we want to give you an opportunity today if something's stirring in your heart as the word came forth, and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the master of your life. And because of that, you know, it seems like your life can never get on track because you're being governed by something else. You're being governed by the flesh or the situations of life throw you all over the place. And you realize, you know what, really there's other things lording over my life other than Jesus Christ. And really just a, an act of boldness today just to say, you know what, today I want a change in my life. I don't want those things lording over my life. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says if we ask him, if we declare him as Lord of our life, we declare you're the Lord of everything, as Pastor Marshall said this morning. And I ask you today to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life, not just the Savior to get me to heaven, but begin to live with me every single day and begin to govern my life as the Lord of my life through his word and believing his word. Part of that uh, message uh, tonight helps every single one of us, but if you don't even uh, know how to begin, it really begins with saying, I trust in Jesus, what he's done for me to enter into a relationship with him, to enter into eternal life. That eternal life is not we die, you know, we live until we die, then we have eternal life. Eternal life by nature is, has been, is, and always will be that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you enter into that eternal life with him extraordinary miraculous things happen in your life no matter where you've been that forgiveness of sin and cleansing of what you've done is really partly miraculous because God can redeem time he can move things in time because he lives in eternity he can do things that you think oh, I've missed out on so much of God because it's been so long he can take things and move it up in time and so really, I don't want to preach a message here, but I just want to connect what we've heard. If you're here tonight and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this might not have been a, what we would call maybe an evangelistic message, but it's the Word of God that penetrates to your heart. So if you're here tonight and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. He wants to come into your life and help govern you in some amazing things that He's already destined for you to walk in. So if you're here tonight, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Everybody here is for you. Nobody's watching to be against you. Just lift your hand up. I want to pray with you and pray uh, concerning that tonight. Just so we don't leave without giving you that opportunity. Anybody that you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life and you say, today is my day. I want him to enter into my life. I want to step into that place of eternity with him. Anybody at all? Praise the Lord. Just wait just a moment, just in case. We don't want anyone to leave here not knowing Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We're all going to pray this together. If you're watching online, you may say, I'm one. You don't see. And so we don't know that, although we've received communication back from services that somebody watching online prayed this prayer. 
So let's all just pray this together. If you're watching online, you say, I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life tonight. Just join with us in this prayer. And uh, I believe that just as he said, he'll enter into your heart. You'll become a new creation. Old things, no matter what you've done, are passed away. Now everything becomes new and everything is of God because of that lordship, that relationship that you enter into in a moment's time. Let's just pray this. Say, Father God, I come to you tonight in the name of Jesus, ready to lay my life down, my way of doing things down, and yield to you. I believe that you died for my sin, that God raised you from the dead so that I could be forgiven and justified. I believe that you are Lord of all, and I ask you right now to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me from that bondage of sin and releasing me into life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer online, we ask you to go on to the website, share your story with us, tell us that you uh, received Jesus Christ. We want to get some information into your hands so that will help you move forward, even in the life that Pastor Marshall talked about, that life of greater faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you are taught the word tonight? I know that you were. I was sitting right here. The Bible says if we are taught the word, we communicate with the teacher in all good things. And I know that you know this, and we've said this. You've received things of eternal substance. They will go on and on and produce fruit, even as we've set a guard against the enemy taking it. And so the Bible says that we always come to this place of a great opportunity and an opportunity to make a value judgment of the things that we've received and the things that we are going to give in return in an offering. And we've received things of eternal value. And the Bible says that we communicate back something of a temporal value. And so the exchange is we've received something awesome. We've received something great in its substance, in its return, and its eventual fruit produced in our life and how it will affect others' lives. And so it's no big deal that when we get an opportunity to reciprocate an offering that we see that and say, God, what can I do to be a blessing? How can I reciprocate through this offering? And so uh, as we receive this offering, as we have received the word, as we've received, now we get that opportunity to give in that really that divine exchange. Amen? So if you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you give by cash or debit or credit card, uh, you can raise your hand, and uh, the ushers will give you an envelope. If you're giving by text, giving, uh, it's right there. If you're online watching us, you want to uh, join in this giving, you can go to the Give button on the website or go to the app, uh, the Give button there, and you can participate with us in this time of giving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we ready? All right. Father, we just thank you once again for tonight. We thank you for uh, the blessing that we have received. Father, I, I just command blessing upon each and every giver right now, the gift to be multiplied, uh, and it to be multiplied according to your word back to every giver. Thank you. This will be the best year ever. Father, that you supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you that you're increasing your people, that we trust in you and we lack no good thing. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and pass those buckets. Hallelujah. You have eight points if you were here. 
this morning and tonight. You have eight points. If you took notes, if you didn't, go online. Great things in your devotional time. We've been talking about this 2023, right? The Word of God prayer, having that Word of God in you, uh, it just comes out of you. You don't have to have chapter and verse. It really sinks down into you. You speak the Word, you know, every single day, uh, uh, words that come out of your heart. So eight points that in your devotion time, you may think, how am I going to go over eight points? In your devotion time this week, just pull open your notebook, uh, uh, what you've written, and go over those points. Just real quick, go over those points, meditate on them, kind of do a, hmm, God, what did he say? Hmm, what does that mean to me? Hmm, how can I put that to practice? Right, it'll start stirring in you, you'll start seeing it, all right? So I just encourage you, as we've talked about their time in the Word, your devotion time, just open up your notebook where you took notes today. And if you're sitting, you're going, oh, I should have taken notes. Ask somebody next to you, did you take notes? And right now, just write down those eight points real quick to start with, and it will give you help meditating on the Word. When you do, day and night in your devotional, it will, right, by doing that, you can make your way prosperous, and you can have good success this week and beyond. Amen. Stand up. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Marshall, for that word today. What a great blessing. Uh, praise the Lord. Cindy, thank you for being here, and uh, thank you all for being here. We're, we're excited. We get to spend tomorrow with them all and, and just enjoy relationship, talk about what God is doing uh, with us. Amen. And uh, say this we go, what God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.